Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 1, 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Have you, have you ever met a famous person? Have you, have you ever been maybe by accident, let's say in the airport, and you're walking down the way to your gate in a hurry, kind of pulling your bags behind you, and, and then all of a sudden you see someone coming towards you that you recognize as famous, and you maybe think to yourself, do I, do I disturb them? Do I not di- disturb them? What, what do I do about that, you know, what, what, and, and so you go out to do, to, to, you make the decision, I want to meet them. And so you move towards them. And as you're moving towards them, others begin to move towards them and begin to crowd around them. Or perhaps, perhaps they're a B or a C level famous person. And so it's only famous to you and who you think is awesome. And so as they're coming your way, uh, you notice that nobody else is headed that way towards them. I've had that experience a few times in my life, but maybe the best experience in meeting famous people is when somebody else introduces you to them. So when I was in university, I worked for a catering company and I would go to these big events and we would uh, serve food to people. And most often these were pretty um, expensive events. And so there were a lot of people who'd spent lots of money to be present. It was in Dallas, Texas. And one of the events that I went to that I was working at was after a um, celebrity golf tournament. And so as it wrapped up, there was this big silent auction and there were musicians that were going to play. Nobody that you would care about. Nobody that I even care about now. Uh, were playing. And as they were doing that, I was standing at the beef tenderloin table and I was cutting beef tenderloin, but I was close enough to the stage and, and I had the beef tenderloin. And so everybody that wasn't uh, vegan or vegetarian, and this was 
25 years ago almost now, and so even more than that, almost 30 years ago now. And so people weren't really caring about that as much. It wasn't in the conscious. It's been around for the beginning of time, but you know, whatever. And so I'm sitting there cutting this meat and people are coming up to me. And, and a golfer who is somewhat famous came up to me. His name is Curtis Strange. And at that time, he was my dad's favorite golfer. And I thought, this is really cool. It's Curtis Strange. I mean, I don't really like him that much, but my dad likes him. And so I'm cutting him. And I said, you're a great golfer. My dad loves you. It's so nice to meet you. I wish my dad was here to meet you. And he goes, oh, I'm not your favorite golfer. And I said, well, no, you're not. Uh, and he said, well, who, who is my favorite golfer? Mine. Just making sure. Yep. Uh, and I said, well, Greg Norman is my favorite golfer. Now, I didn't realize that Greg was actually there as well. And I didn't know that Curtis and Greg were really good friends. And so what happened is later in the evening, um, Curtis came up and he brought Greg with him. And I was able to meet Greg Norman and um, shake his hand. It was pretty amazing, to be honest. There was the shark, you know, and I know Australia really doesn't want to claim him that much anymore, but he was pretty amazing. Until later in the evening, when I realized those men couldn't hold their liquor. And it was so disappointing to watch their behavior on the stage. Paul here in this letter that we looked at last week starts with this thanksgiving and prayer. And at the very end of it, in verse 13, he says about this for us, what God has done. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. And then we have our passage for today. And it's almost like Paul, having said that about being transferred into the kingdom of the Son, wants to make sure the readers of this letter know exactly who the Son is. And he brings out this beautiful song, this beautiful poem about who Christ is been said about this, and it reminds us that Christianity isn't simply about a particular way of being religious, and it's not about a particular system for how we can be saved, and it isn't simply just a different path to holiness. Christianity is actually about Jesus Christ, and this poem, one of the very earliest Christian poems ever written, is a good place to start exploring who Jesus is. Now, there's some pretty amazing implications that come out of this that we see first off. We see that Jesus Christ is the one who is magnificently larger than anything that we could ever imagine. 
that in fact he is the one who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And before all things and in him all things are held together. You see, Paul starts off with this macro, universal, cosmic understanding of who Christ is. That Jesus Christ is God. Everything that we want to know, everything that we need to know about God is revealed in Jesus Christ. And that he is everything that is about creation. That he made it, that he holds it together, and in fact that he is the goal of creation. It's through him and by him that all things are held together. C.S. Lewis says this, that the universe owes its continuing coherence to Christ. What holds the universe together is not any idea or a virtue, but a person, the resurrected Christ. Without him, electrons would not continue to circle the nuclei, and gravity would cease to work. The planets, the planets would not stay in their orbits. What Paul is saying here is that Christ is so magnificently awesome that he holds all things in him of himself. John reminds us of that. He says that it is through him and by him that all things were made that we heard about in our call to worship. And so we start off seeing and recognizing Jesus being introduced to Jesus Christ as the one who is the image of God, the one who holds all things together, the one who created it, sustains it, and is the end goal for what it is. How amazing is that? Now that would be great just to meet that Jesus. That one who holds all things together, who is the creator of all things, who maintains it and in fact is the goal to those things. But then Paul goes a little bit deeper. And he goes, not only is he the image of the invisible God, not only does he hold all these things together, but he also is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him he reconciled all things, whether of the earth or in heaven, making peace through his blood. He says, not only is he this gigantic, he also is the head of the church. He is the firstborn, meaning he is the one who brings about new creation. We recognize here that the church... The called body, those of us who are in Christ, are part of that new creation already happening. That we know new creation is coming, but we know that it is happening now even in us. So Paul says he's the one who created everything, and he's the one who's bringing about new creation in the body of Christ. That he is the one who reconciles, that says the world got broken, but I'm going to make it right. The world has fallen into disrepair, but I'm going to renew it and revitalize it. He says, I hold all things together, and I will reconcile those things. I will bring them back, making peace by the blood of the cross. Every time we see that word peace, we should be reminded of the Hebrew word of shalom, that webbing together of God and humans and all of creation in justice and fulfillment and delight. Shalom, in other words, is this multidimensional reality 
embracing all of humans' relationships and their relationship with God and with one another and the created world. Does that sound familiar to you, people that hang out at Fremantle Church? That God is pursuing us in his steadfast love to bring us into whole relationship with himself, ourselves, all others, and the place that we live. God's work in Christ has to be viewed as a reclamation, a reclamation of the entire universe that is tainted by sin. This peace that he talks about is God seeking a peace that is not only applied to humans in our relationships to God, but also humans in our relationship with one another and humans in our relationship with the natural world. See, because he created the world, all things were created by him and in him, and through him, and he sustains them. So when he brings about peace, we are brought to peace with him, with ourselves, with all others, and with all of creation. And so it's about seeking wholeness in that way. That the church just isn't about gathering together on Sunday mornings or doing Bible studies. However, don't forsake those things. It is also about that group of people that God builds into his body so that he shows Christ forth as preeminent, the most important, the highest cause of all, the center of the universe. And so we meet this Jesus, Paul introduces us and says, he is grander than everything you would ever believe of. He also works cosmically beyond that to bring about his body so that it is present and active and working. But it is also particular. Jesus is about you and who you are in your particularness. He goes on to say, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That this Jesus that we're introduced to by Paul is not just cosmically big, not just the church body that is active in the world today, but it is also about you particular that this Jesus wants to reconcile you to himself. To bring you beyond where you think you are to where he has created you to be. Now I want to just... Stop just for a moment here and and look at this little thing that says, if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, it almost sounds like it's a a predicate for us being saved, right? It, It sounds like he's saying you have been moved and reconciled if you continue. That's really a poor way of expressing what's happening here. It's, a, it's an assumption that Paul is making that you will continue. If your faith is real, if it rests in Christ, then you can't help but continue because he's the one who holds you. Because Christ is the beginning and the end of your faith. He is the author and the maker and the completer of your faith. And so he's the one who holds your faith for you. So there are times in our lives for sure that we feel like we don't have enough faith. If you remember last week, I said, sometimes I say to folks, and I've had folks say to me, I've got faith for you. The reason why that can happen is because it's in Christ that that faith is formed and held. That he is the one who maintains it and holds it. So there's moments in our lives for sure that we will go, I'm not sure. 
And Christ comes in and says, I have reconciled you. And in reconciling you, I have moved you from darkness into light. I have moved you from being an enemy in your mind against me to being my friend and my child and my bride. And I'm the one who has done that work. And so it is in that that I will hold you. I will not fail you. I will not leave you. My love will endure. It is steadfast and my peace is sure because it is shalom bringing wholeness to you. So recognize this, that it's not if indeed you continue on in your faith. It is that you are continuing on in your faith. And this is why we know that it is so. It's because he is the one who has presented you holy and blameless in himself to God. Now, one of the things and the implications of meeting Greg Norman for me was that later on I saw that he wasn't all that great to look up to. And I really did stop looking up to him and thinking, oh, I would like to be, I would still kind of like his golf game. But outside of that, I really don't want to have anything to do with how he's lived his life. But when we see Jesus, we recognize that there is something more that we can attain. So here's what I think in meeting Jesus in this passage, you and I get to gain. Whether we are someone who has been walking with Christ for a long, long time, or we're just trying to figure out if this is something that we want to do. So hear it both as as an assurance and as an invitation. The first thing that we see when we encounter Jesus is that we don't have to worry about our past. Our past doesn't have to affect us. What has happened before is no longer important. It does inform who we are. There are consequences to our past that we have to walk in, but it is no longer the thing that defines us because when we meet this Jesus, this cosmic Jesus who becomes a body and shows himself completely through us and is concerned about each one of us particularly, it is in that Jesus that we recognize that you once were alienated, but now I present you holy and blameless. That you used to be this way. So listen, when the spirits, when Satan, when, when those things in our own hearts come back to, to try and condemn us of how we used to live or how even we lived this morning, when we fail to recognize the goodness of God and his love for us, recognize that when we meet Jesus, Jesus is saying, I've taken care of those things. I've moved you from darkness into light. And so our past no longer defines who we are. So if you are walking in Christ, work to trust Holy Spirit when Holy Spirit is saying to you, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of God. But not only do we not have to worry about our past, we don't don't have to worry about our present. Because now that we've met this Christ, we recognize that we're no longer by ourselves. That we're no longer isolated in who we think we are or the identities that we try to build. And not only that, we serve the God who is above all things and has made all things. So today, when we look at the world, and very much as we look at the world, we can have fear and trepidation and anxiety encounters to us. We can look at the world and say, I'm not sure I want to even step out of my house anymore, even though I'm allowed to because lockdown's over and I don't have to wear a mask anymore. The simple fact is, is there is no fear for those of us who are in Christ because he's the one who's in control of all things. 
that ultimately all things will work according to his plan, in his pursuit, in his steadfast love and righteousness for us. So when we recognize that he's the cosmic God who makes himself known through his body and comes to us particularly, then our present should no longer be a place of worry or anxiety, but it should be a place of restless and relentless trust. Restless because we're still in the flesh. <laughs> restless because we still look around us and we have eyes to see the world and it makes us go, ooh. But relentless in that we are grounded in him. And by being grounded in him, we are gathered together with other people. <laughs> now that means this. Because we are people, we're going to disagree. There are going to be places in our lives where I'm going to think this way about something and you're going to think this way about something. Now if it doesn't deal with who Christ is, and how large he is, and the introduction that he is, but it has to do with how we're engaging with the world around us. We have to be careful there. We can't elevate our opinion over Christ. Because as much as we want to say Christ is above all things, we sometimes will go, except this opinion that I have about this one particular thing. And that's the reason why he doesn't leave us in our own selves. That's the reason why he brings us into a body. So that we can walk along together and gently, with comfort, confront and challenge those places where our truth is not lining up with the truth of who God is. So we don't have to worry about our past, we don't have to worry about our present, and we no longer have to worry about our future. Because we've been introduced to the one who holds all things together. We are introduced to the one who is the creator, who sustains it all, and is the end of the meaning of all of creation. And not only that, he's the head of the church that, that brings his body to bear in the world right now today. And he came for you particularly. And in that, you know you are not lost. That when he comes, we have that hope that we do not let go of that has been proclaimed to us. And not just to us, but to all creation under heaven. How amazing is that? That while I hear God proclaiming his love for me, he is also proclaiming loudly his love for all of creation. That he wants to hold it all together and bring it back to the place where it's always been. And that's our trajectory. That's our destiny. That is the place that we are walking to. That place that God will make all things new as they always were. It's so lovely that Paul introduces the gospel again. He did it last week. He does it again this week for us. That the gospel is this, that Christ comes and has redeemed us. And the implication for us is astounding. Douglas Moo, who wrote a commentary on this, says this, For those who have been redeemed by Christ, the universe has no ultimate terrors. They know that the Redeemer is also creator, ruler, and the goal of all. When Jesus showed up on the scene, when God came in human form, he said over and over, Fear not, for I am with you. That just wasn't then. He is with us now supernaturally beyond our expectation 
and even in the body of those fellow weirdos you're sitting by right now. He is with us to walk with us in our lives to bring Him glory, knowing that He has accomplished it all for us. So what a beautiful song to sing. This love song, Back to Christ, on Valentine's Day. That we would hear Him as we sing this song to Him. This is who you are, Jesus. This is what you've done, Jesus. This is your love for us, Jesus, and why we love you. Knowing that He sings right back over us. There's nothing that will separate you from the love that I have for you in myself. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we hold on to you. We hold on to you because you're bigger than anything we could even imagine. You are beyond the scope of us being able to even grasp mentally, but somehow you move to us in a way that we know you. And more frightening than that, all inspiring than that is we're known by you. And so, Father, we hold on to Christ who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. We hold on to Him who is the creator and sustainer and the end of all creation. And that He has drawn us in so that we can live in You, bringing glory and honor. Father, let us hear Your words today. And if anything that was spoken was not Your words, let them burn away and fly away. But if they were your words, let them take root into our hearts and bear good fruit for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.